the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're so glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministry is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer for you today is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God designed you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Paul's saying, Remember that you were at that time separated, living apart from Christ, excluded from all part in Him, utterly estranged and outlawed from the rights of Israel as a nation, and strangers with no share in the sacred compacts of the Messianic promise, with no knowledge or right in God's agreements, His covenants, and you have no hope. You had no hope, no promise. You were in the world without God. Now, Paul, in this particular letter, goes back and says, Remember, several times. And you see that word over and over again. And he calls, us in, calls the Ephesians into remembrance as a point of contrast. Where you were to where you are. Where you were in bondage, but now you are free. Where you were enslaved, but now you have liberty. All of those things, he comes back and he contrasts where you were to where you are. But in this particular case, where he's talking to the Ephesians, he's saying to them, Do you remember when you had no part in God? Do you remember when you had no share in the Messianic promise, in the covenants given to Israel? Remember when you were on the outside looking in? Remember when you had no hope and no God? Now most of us, I would imagine, although I can't say for sure, most of us were fairly young when we received the Lord as Savior. At least I was. And while I cannot recall specifically back to that time and the angst that I felt or the the things that I felt when I was without God, I can give testimony to the experience of living as if I had no God. I can give testimony to the experience of living as if I had no hope. Most of us here, if, you're, if you've got a pulse, can give testimony to that. And the truth is that that could be even happening right now. That could be happening this moment. But what does it mean? Obviously, this particular verse tells us that without God, you have no hope. You have no hope. It's an interesting issue because, you know, in in counseling, one of the things that you have to come around to continually with people is that hope is in Him. 
It's not in a method. It's not in in change of circumstances. It's not in any of those things because typically when they have problems, they've been through all of the changes. They've been through all of the differences in in what they were going to do. They've been through programs, been through these things, and they haven't worked, and that's why they're in there talking to you. But they want you to give them some hope. But when you tell them that if they cannot see Jesus as the answer then we're wasting our time. When they get to that point, they make a choice. It's a hard choice. It's a difficult choice. Because they have, one of the reasons they're in the position they're in without hope is because they've rejected the truth. Paul is taking them back to the relationship they had without Christ and into the relationship they have with Christ so that they can remember the contrast. And most of these people came to know Christ later on. Now, we can identify with verse 12 with no hope in the world without God. We can identify with that idea because the truth is that most of us walk around for stretches of time not even recognizing that we have a God. And we put our hope in things that are false, don't we? And then we despair when those false hopes fall through. Yeah, I hope in God, but I hope God will give me a new job. Yeah, I hope in God, but I hope God will give me more money. Yeah, I hope in God, but I hope God will give me better help. Yeah, I hope in God, but it's always got a U-Haul behind it. There's always something attached to the hope in God because God has got to be the facilitator to meet what you've described as your need in your life in order for you to have hope. That's not the hope the Bible describes. The scripture makes it clear and life will testify that without God there is no true hope. Every one of those things will fail. When you find yourself without hope, typically you're living as if you had no God. And when you're despairing of life, it's because you have put faith in something other than God. Have you figured that one out? When you become depressed or despairing, when you become crushed and you feel like there's just absolutely no hope, it's typically because you've put your faith in something other than God. Maybe it's in the job. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's in something that you, that you were doing you expected to turn out well and that this was going to give you a new lease on life or a new start. And it falls apart and suddenly you don't have hope. That's because God wasn't there in it for you. All you could see was your goal and your objective. Now I'm talking to me as much as I am to you. I've been there a hundred times. The problem with putting your hope in something else is that it becomes an idol for you. And you find yourself continually going to this one thing your hope's in, worshiping it, praying to it, begging it, that it might come in and rescue you and give you some hope. If it's a relationship, you're begging that it'll come into fruition and be all that you expected it to be. If it's a job, you're begging God to make that job all that you wanted it to be. If you know, you can think of a thousand different scenarios where that thing becomes your focus, and that is through which you're trying to drag hope, and that is called idolatry. Anything you run to for comfort apart from God 
for security apart from God, for hope apart from God, is simply an idol. It's taking the place of God in your life. And you become more and more despairing. One of the greatest indicators of idolatry in your life is unrest. When you become restless, and another one is an increase in insecurity. Another one is fear. Another one is despair. Another is the absence of true peace. All of those things are indicators of idolatry. All of those things tell you that you have your focus fixed on something other than God. Your mind is stayed on something other than Him. Isaiah 26.3 You, that is, God will guard him and keep him in perfect peace, perfect and constant peace, whose mind, both its inclination and its character, is stayed on you. Because he commits himself to you, leans on you, and hopes confidently in you. Where's your mind roaming to? What's the truth of where your mind is stayed? You'll find that the source of your unrest oftentimes, in fact most times, is your mind. Your mind roaming about, searching for something to cling to other than God. You see, the work of the enemy is constantly against the soul, the mind, will, and emotions, constantly trying to drive you into a distraction from truth and drive you into believing that you need to add something to your relationship with Jesus. You need to add something to your life. You need to add something to your, to your relationship. It's always about more. It's always about more. And you will begin to believe that you've got to have something other than Jesus than to have life. Do you believe that now? That's easy to buy into. Do you believe that you've got to have something other than Jesus to have life? The world says you do. And you look for those things. You look for them to give your life meaning. You look for them to give your life substance. You look for them to give you hope. And where does it end up when those things fail? Well, when they fail, you've got to come up with a coping mechanism. And then let's indulge in food, and let's indulge in drugs, or let's indulge in alcohol, or let's indulge in sex. Let's indulge in something that will take our minds off the failure. It's a progressive thing. That's what it means to live without hope and without God in the world. And Christian, you can have God and live as if you don't. You can choose to live as if you do not have a hope apart from what you can gather unto yourself. Many people do. When I find my mind is in a state of confusion and unrest, it's because my mind is stayed on Todd and not God. That's usually the problem. What's going to happen to Todd? What's Todd going to do? What do people think of Todd? Todd becomes the obsession. One teacher says, says you ought to do this. You ought to try to go ten minutes without thinking about yourself. Have you ever done that? you ever tried to go ten minutes without thinking about yourself? It can be a bit of a challenge. Because, you know, you, you, even, even when you're absently not thinking about you're watching TV or something like this, you know, you, you start thinking about, well, that looks just like so-and-so. Now, you know, I never liked him because he didn't treat me right and blah, 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 blah. It all goes south. It does. You become your biggest fixation. 
Being self-centered is poison to the soul. It continually robs you from the peace that God wants to give you in, in, in His relationship with you. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on Todd? I don't think so. How does he keep us in perfect peace? How does he stay us in that? Because peace is a knowing, a peace is an intimacy. It is in being in the very presence of him who is your life, recognizing his, his union with you and living out of it. That's what peace is. It's not a feeling. We learned that in Bible study Thursday night. We talked about that. People talk about wanting peace. What they want is peace of feel. I want to feel peaceful. And you know they can't get there. They just can't get there without God. They just can't get there without God. I don't care how much they got. We've had several celebrities pass on trying to get there and just couldn't get there. The bottom line is, folks, there's only one place of peace, and that's next to the Prince of Peace. And it's recognizing His presence. One teacher says, uh, the unrest is my focus upon me. And he says, well, I'd be depressed too if I had to go around thinking about you all day. But it's a trap. The enemy can get you to center in on yourself and he can convince you you need more than what you've got and then you need a new car, you need a new relationship, you need a new home, you need something. And when that fails to work, then we're off to the coping mechanisms again. But you can see the progression. The truth is that you were made for him alone and as long as you seek to have anything else, you become double-minded. James 1.8 says, For being as he is, a man, had, a man of two minds, and your translation may say double-minded man, hesitating, dubious, irresolute, he is unstable and unreliable and uncertain about everything he thinks, feels, and decides. So do you know what it means to be double-minded? You know, you can, you can be a Christian and be completely double-minded. In fact, I think most, most carnal Christians, that's the clear definition of their problem. So they're double-minded. You can know the Lord. You can know that He is life. You can know that, that you are forgiven. You can know all of the truths that I have spoken and you have heard. You know those truths. But knowing isn't enough. You can still be double-minded because knowing becomes all about you. It becomes all about what God's going to do for you. The relationship becomes all about you. In fact, most of us could say if my relationship, the context of my relationship with God were to be transferred over to another human being, they'd dump me in a minute because all I want to talk about is me. And all I'm concerned about is how it affects me. And I want to make sure that God's concerned about me. And the only time I feel really close to Him is when I know He's dealing with my problems. Do you see the pattern? It becomes self-focused, self-centered, and you become the center focus of your relationship with God. But that's not at all what He intended. Jesus is to be the focus. Jesus is to be the center And you're not going to recognize that until you choose to make Him the center of your life and walk in it by faith. 
saying, this is what I believe and this is how I'm going to walk. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what my mind, will, and emotions may say to me. It doesn't matter what the world may say to me. It doesn't matter about the comparisons the world would make of my life and somebody else's. It doesn't matter about all of the things that I think I'm supposed to have. I have completely yielded myself unto Him. I'm going to take one step after another, moment by moment, declaring that He is my life and He is my reward. And He is enough. I will not live a Jesus plus life. Double-minded is a Jesus plus life. It's what it is. I can't tell you how many people I know who will come into the understanding that Christ is life and they once they've grasped it, they don't go any further. Because they have sat there and they've taken in the knowledge and they have the knowledge and you could tell them about it and they just say, yeah, I know that. But they're not living in victory. They don't have any peace about them. They are not at rest in their understanding. They are walking around just exactly the way James described. Hesitating, dubious, irresolute, unstable, unreliable, uncertain. Uncertain about everything he thinks, feels, and decides. And these are people that know the truth. Where's the problem? Well, it's not enough to know. You know, the demons know Jesus is Lord. Is it helping them out? No. But until you take the truth and you say, this is my life, this is the truth of who I am, Christ is my life, He is going to be my focus, and I will walk this out in faith. And your emotions may come alongside of you at some point, but it won't be right away, I can assure you. Do you think that Paul felt loved in the Philippian jail based on his circumstances. Do you think Paul felt like success in ministry when he was laying out outside the city with whip marks all over him or being stoned? His security was never in what he knew. It was in the truth of his relationship with Christ. It goes so far beyond knowledge. And as the example I give to you constantly is that how much did you know about Jesus when you accepted Him as Savior? How much did you really know about Him? Have you grown in that understanding? Have you grown in that relationship? Has it matured for you? This is not condemnation, but what I am telling you is there, there is a progression that takes place and He brings you along. But we have to choose by faith to walk in it. It's not enough to know it. I've got notebooks full. How many of you got full notebooks? Been to all the conferences. What do you do? You have a crisis, you go whip out a notebook? Does that make you feel better? It doesn't me. I can't even know I don't even know where they are half the time. The truth is that until we receive what God has says as life rather than as knowledge, we will not live in the truth of our relationship with Him. Do you understand that? Now I know I'm talking to a bunch of thinkers and, and teachers. So knowledge, I know, is right up there next to Father, Son, and so forth. 
But the truth is, knowledge doesn't save you. It doesn't. You, every one of you can testify. Knowledge does not save you. You become self-centered in your thinking, and then, you know what happens with me is my prayer life has just become so wrapped up in me. And then my perspective is all warped by me in the center. I'm my, my focus. And I'm asking God questions. I'm, 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 I'm hurt by the fact that I don't have everything I'm supposed to have, in my opinion. I'm praying prayers like, God, couldn't we just enjoy prosperity together? I'd like to enjoy some prosperity with you. But God, couldn't we enjoy good health together? I'd like to enjoy some good health. I mean, after all, it's all about me. I'm double-minded. Well, let's look at the solution. We're going to move to Ephesians verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were, one, who were so far away through and by and in the blood of Christ have been brought near. Through and by and in the blood of Christ have been brought near. Here's the solution. Now, I know that Paul is talking to Ephesians who were Gentiles at one time, and when he's talking about being far away, that's in in essence the definition of being a Gentile, being far away. And the Jews looked at him with contempt, and they said, they have no share in the covenant. They have no share in our relationship with God. They are literally subhuman. They are far away. That's the Gentile. But it doesn't matter why you were far away. What matters is what Christ did to bring you near. The reason you're far away doesn't matter. Did you hear me, Christian? Because here's the truth. You are not far away if you have Him as your Savior. You are not far away. You can live like it. You can believe it. And let me tell you something. It is the enemy's work. It is his design and his desire to give you the the idea that somehow you're far away. And he does it a lot of different ways. You know, it's an interesting thing to me. There are books by the scores written on how to get near to to Jesus. How to get near to God. And Christian, you're already there. And the Christian bookstores are full of them. And there are programs and there's all kinds of things. And I've heard people preach on it. They give you steps. They give you methods. How to get near. Well, let me tell you something. You may not be living experientially in the truth, but the bottom line is you are near. You are in union with Christ. Why is that so important? Why does it help me to know that? Well, it doesn't if you're just appropriating knowledge. But it does if you stand in the truth and walk forward in faith because then you can recognize Him as your sufficiency and quit walking around in this sense of bankruptcy and despair. You can start believing that Jesus is enough and then you won't be missing a thing. Life will suddenly become abundant because it's His life. You have everything you need in Jesus. And I love this. Paul again returns him to the truth of life because he, he starts with, But 
now. And here's what you need to say to each to yourselves right now. If you're feeling far off, if you're feeling rejected, if you're feeling like God isn't close to you, you need to turn around and say to your soul, the source of confusion within you, and you say, but now, though I have felt afar off, Though I have felt separated, though the enemy has tried to prove to me that God is not in fellowship with me, but now I will believe I am near. I am near. Ephesians 2.5, you remember that verse? Listen to this. Even when we were dead, slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses, Guys, that's just sin. Alright? He made us alive together in fellowship. Not in the neighborhood. Not in occasional contact. Not a, a, a correspondent. But in fellowship. And get this. In union with Christ. You know what the word picture there is? Take some milk and some flour and put it in a blender. Can you separate it after the blender's been run? Can you? That's you and Jesus. (laughs) You are in Him. There is no separation. Thank you for joining us today for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation. Rest in His life, moment by moment and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. To get to know us better, visit us on the web at hislifefellowship.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If this message has blessed you, you can help support this program with your gift to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 781-529, San Antonio, Texas, 78278. And now, before we go, our prayer for you this coming week is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you and that you would remember that wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.